Tanya learned that male musketeers they won't take us seriously. So thinking, oh, because I'm a musketeer, these guys will take me seriously. Lie, lie. Her best chance is to find the ones who wanted to harm the king and prove herself. So even their male musketeers counterpart are still looking down on them like, these men are just playing. Novels and bits listener, what's up? What's up? So, um, it's been a week since the last time we met. This episode was actually supposed to drop a few hours earlier than this, but don't ask me. No, okay, 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 fine. I confess, I, I need to manage my time better. I'm pretty sure some of your pros are doing that, but um, people like me, you know, this particular neighbor, she has a lot of work to do when it comes to time management and all of that. Okay, and also, who noticed this in the last episode? Who noticed that I was sleepy? <laughs> I wasn't sleepy because it was boring, but I think I'd done so much, including preparing the scripts and trying to record. So at the time when it came to record, I was literally sleepy. There were times I just had to pause and, you know, move around and just kind of open my eyes and then continue recording. If anyone noticed that, you could just let me know, like, you know, in the comments so that I'll know you know what if you notice that or if it was just like oh cool episode great i didn't notice any of those things we've been discussing one for all by lily lane off so today on one for all we'll be you know we're in part b today you know i said that if we didn't finish today i would release on thursday i am sorry that i cannot keep to that promise instead let's just stick to mondays you know until things are stable Hopefully by 2024, we should just have Monday and Thursday. You know, not just like we'd have Monday and Thursday regularly. For now, just Mondays, please. I cannot die. If you know the things going on with me, just a brief snippet is that I have to juggle working um, freelance to, um, you know, writing scripts, reading new novels for podcasting. And then now my internship is coming up. So that's a lot of time, a lot of commitment. And obviously, let's not forget the normal things that take our time every day. You have to just with people around you. You have to go to church. You have to pray. You know, for some of us who are like really into God and things like that. So that's really been it. And it's just like, it takes a lot from anyone. So I really hope you are resting. I really hope you're taking life easy and you're not like, Oh, the world demands of me productivity and you're ignoring the things that count most. God and the relationships is put around you. Please don't ignore that. So now that I've gotten this riff and um, rant out of the way, let's get into today's story. Okay, so I'm going to continue from part B. So brief um, summary is that Tanya's dad died and then she got sent to this school that was supposed to be an academy for wives but it's turning out not to be what she expected. So what exactly is this school? Okay so part B of One for All. Now Tanya fainted you know after she fought Madame with the sword like this is a Madame that's supposed to be the proprietress for this academy of wives and she's fighting tanya with a sword you can imagine her confusion so now that you know so after it now because tanya is a dizzy person after the fought, she kind of fainted and then so they took her to madame's office and you know she, she and normally when she faints it's like for about five minutes or so like when she goes unconscious so as she now like woke up they went back to madame's office and she now told 
Tanya that, oh, the girls, the other musketeer girls were excited to meet her. Oh, I think I already sparked it. But, you know, even the title of this gives away the fact that she's in a musketeer school. So I don't think I really spoiled anything. Anything. Madame told Tanya, oh, the girls are excited to meet you. And there were two other girls besides Portia. You know, Portia is the only person she's met. The only girl she, um, Tanya has met so far is Portia. So besides Portia, there was Tia and Aria. So Aria had been at, a, at, at the academy the longest for about seven months, followed by Thea, who'd been dead three months. Then there was Portia, who'd only been dead two months. So Madame explained that she couldn't tell Tanya the truth about the academy. That's why she had to assess her skill levels by just, you know, dwelling with her. Out of the blue dwelling. That's what she needed to, like, assess Tanya's skill levels before she'd be like, okay, I should tell about the school or not. If Tanya had failed the assessment skill, like assessment training or whatever it was, they would have just made other arrangements for her, but she would not have stayed at the school. So Madame swore Tanya to secrecy and then she told her the truth. This academy was established to train young mademoiselles into a new kind of musketeer. The type who fights for France with her wits and charm as well as her sword. These young women would be grateful and highly desired by the Parisian social circles. Yet they would be the most skilled fencers. Their duties included attending parties with highly sought-after invitations, luring secrets out of men, distracting them while their sisters and arms snuck into private office, offices and stole evidence. They were to find information that kept these men quiet, and if not, challenge them to an honourable duel where they must win. The mademoiselles had the element of surprise because, come on, who would expect a beautiful young woman of being a highly skilled fencer? And honestly, really, there's been a lot of cases in this story where the girls cornered murderers, criminals, and some very unscrupulous figures. And those big men, when they were cornering, when the girls were cornering them, the guys themselves thought they were cornering the girls until the girls showed them Pepe. And then they were like, ah, thank you like this, she can fight. Ah, the girls took them out. So it's, that's the element of surprise because this is the 16th century. There are no female musketeers, just the males. It's a man's world. It's even till today, it's still a man's world in many ways. Women who can like dwell, you know, win over. That's why women's spies are usually like, tend to be more valuable than men, male um, spies because they can get into places, have this element of surprise that many males don't have. So that's why they needed female musketeers. So underneath her gown, Madame wore breeches. Remember when I talked about in part A that when Tanya had this um, you know, unplanned fight sprung on her, she had to fight because her dad had trained her that fights like that can happen. She wasn't even wearing breeches. Breeches are trousers that you know you wear under your gown, but a type of tra- like all those fitted trousers then now that they wear, but this and uh, that only males wear. So it's even scandalous for a lady to wear breeches. But they had to wear it under their, you know, their big skirts so that they'll be able to move around freely in case they had to fight and things like that. So this madame, their madame, she wore breeches. She wore breeches underneath her gown. There was a dwelling sword on her left hip, a dagger on her right. Tanya was so relieved to learn the true nature of the academy. She had come to Paris with resentment for her father for sending her to an academy that prepares whites for wealthy nobles, but it's not that kind of school. So Papa's last act turned out to be a blessing. Madame de Treville shared her story with Tanya. She had been this girl like madame who wanted above all else to be a musketeer she had trained with tanya's father nearly daily to achieve her dream she had been so close to tanya's father because they both loved fencing and their parents had thought oh they were gonna get married but tanya's father met tanya's mother you know there was a scandal then madame and papa had lost contact because papa left paris now to go to um lupiak where tanya was born and raised 
and Madame obviously stayed in France. Like, um, it's not France. I keep saying France is in Paris. <laughs> Paris is in France. Lupiak is in France. So, yes, that's two places in France. Now, Madame's contacts with Papa, like, um, was reestablished when Papa sent her a letter for Tanya's sake. So, the words of the letter had reminded Madame of how Papa was so kind to her. Uh, although Madame hadn't been able to become a musketeer because the senior officials were highly against it. They have been highly against it. The academy, now that she has she has a chance to train the Madame de Treville, now that she has an academy to train young mademoiselles into skilled musketeers and spies, it was, it was a way for her to re- earn that respect she would have earned as a musketeer that she couldn't be. You get so I hope that made sense. Okay, moving on. So Tanya couldn't believe that. Oh my God, I have a chance to become a legend, a hero from a storybook and much more. But here's the thing. What Tanya truly wanted is to bring Papa's killer suggested for Mama not to worry about her, to prove that Papa had been right in believing that she was strong and capable, to show Mama that she was more than a seagull and to have sisterhood. It felt like so many things to want. Then Tanya made her choice. She would stay in the academy, train under Madame's tutelage. Madame admitted that Tanya was a talented swordswoman, but there are other things to learn as they were expected from a high-ranking lady. Just being a swordswoman is not enough for you to be a spy. You have to fit the ideal role of a lady. You have to know to dance. You have to know the basics of etiquette, how to wrap men around your finger. So Tanya uh, assumed that by being part of the academy, you know, she would have access to spaces and people that would know the truth about her, that would be able to discover the truth about her dad's mother. She also assumed that, okay, she would appeal to the musketeers as one of them. Well, let's see how that goes. So, Madame de Treville welcomed Tanya to Lex Musketeers de la Lune. I am definitely not pronouncing this right, but you're going to see the English pronunciation in a moment. So, Tanya's training regimen was set. She had to practice by herself for the first, you know, couple of days because the girls were attending social events. You know, the, the other three girls now, they were already now there before her. There was much for Tanya to catch up on. In training... The men they were to say this, they're called targets. So whenever they're like, oh, you assigned your targets, you know, those are men they're meant to extract information from. They're meant to seduce them, wrap them around their fingers. Those men are called targets. As far, yes, you know, target, normal targets. So in the middle of one of Tanya's training sections, Henry suddenly came in and she almost fell because he kind of distracted her. So he rushed to help her, but she had already righted herself. So awkwardly, he leaned on the table with an extravagant flower arrangement, and he nearly knocked over the vest. He caught it narrowly in the crook of his arm. Tanya was nervous, and at the same time, she wanted to laugh. Henry bowed to her formally, and his eyes sparkled. He was aware of his awkwardness. Like, Henry is so awkward, but he's so adorable on him. And he accepted it like that. So somehow, Henry now started telling her of how he was an apprentice of the maps, map maker who noted pretty places of the city but what he really wanted was to be an engineer who planned how the city would work so henry lived in the house of the academy like that you know the academy is a house now so he lived in that house but normally he tried to stay away or stay out of the way of the girls training or he tried to occasionally he was useful he knew of the oppression now like oh these girls are actually i mean you know secret spies musketeers i mean he's madame's nephew Tanya liked him, like, as a person. He's cool. However, Tanya and Henry's interaction, because um, Madame walked in and they were talking, and she just noticed that, ah, Tanya, this one, you are red as tomato just from talking to Henry. There is no even any, that is open, and ah, how are you now reacting in front of the real men? 
So she's like, ah, Tanya, you need work when it comes to men. So Tanya was still clumsy at many ladylike things. Her cup, you know, when they were practicing how to take tea, her cup would clutter on the saucer. Meanwhile, Portia drank her tea delicately. And Tia, while she's drinking her tea, she had this dark, inquisitive eyes, like just like dancing around the place, taking it in the room as if she's a stranger in it, even if she's been there a lot of times. Meanwhile, Aria, the one that has trained longest, <laughs> she was perched on a stool that looks uncomfortable. But you see the, how, the way her back will be straight, her shoulders are ranged as if she's sitting for a portrait. The epitome of how lady is. Tanya could tell though, you know, because definitely she's a salt woman. She can tell that her posture is more of a state of constantly being on a lot, assessing her surroundings than just mere good posture. Tanya had expected the girls to be cruel to her, like the girls at the village, like, you know, Portia, Tia and Aria. She's like, oh, these girls would mock me for fainting, for being sick. Maybe they wouldn't come up with a nickname for me. But they did not they did not have a time to do that kind of thing she was still waiting for them because all of them are just sitting together the girls didn't say anything because madame was just like training them on something so after madame watched them for a while she was now started doing out corrections for the last social gathering that the girls had attended without tanya she was like portia your foot was stepped on by a noble when you were dancing and then these other noble women they were making snide remarks about it you know about you that don't let that happen again but i was like but it's not my fault that that, that toad stepped on me first so if you actually see these girls at first i was thinking oh musketeers maybe they'll they'll be all be quiet dainty girls eh <laughs> all of them have temper okay no like their tempers are so different their temperaments and it was so nice like i loved seeing the individuality of each of the girls it's so cool so luckily that day that they said aria stepped on foot i mean potia stepped on foot abima stepped on her foot who saved the day was aria you know the one that's been trained the longest so you know when they said this thing potia just like threw this frustrated look like in aria's direction and then aria just like stiffened you, you get that kind of thing as well ah please don't know be me cause some please don't look me like that there is still a surprise coming between potia and aria that one connection like that the fact that i just said this and i'm giving away a major tip so if you shall might know what it is between them maybe sisters or whatever let me know mm-hmm. if you shall don't know no problem we'll find it out in part c okay let's move on so to ease the tension of the whole you know portia you know throwing this accusing look in Aria's direction tia was like okay madam 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 tell tanya the story of how next musketeers de la leon came to be like they're they're, they're training group that's what it's called okay according to thea is a tradition like it's ma- it's madam's tradition to tell the story although how can you call something a tradition when it's only been done three times that's what portia asked but madame tells like a big a big cha madame tell us a story you tell the story when there's a, a new girl joins us so potter was like oh god i've heard this story many times even though she only she's led us she's had the story less times than thea and aria yet she's the one that's tired so i think when it comes to the shortest temper it's potter like madame told the shortened version of the story a few years ago madame found herself in a tricky situation where a patagoya or courtier a courtier is a person who attends a royal court as a companion or advisor to the king or queen do you understand so more, more like a royal court visitor or something so madame found herself in a tricky situation with one of them where the man tried to attack madame while she was searching through cabinets within a few seconds you know, the man was thinking, ah, this woman is searching this thing. Let me deal with that. He did not know he's messing with. <laughs> Just seconds alone, <laughs> Madame had him, had his throat at the edge of her dagger. Hmm. 
don't don't mess with these women. So Cardinal Mazarin. Cardinal Mazarin is a permanent royal advisor. He happened to want to ease himself and, you know, he happened on the scene. He helped Madame. He now threatened that scoundrel with might of the royal household because, come on, royal advisor, the royal household is backing him. If you talk, I'll ruin you. Do you understand? So he did that to protect Madame's reputation because at that time, at that particular point in time, Madame didn't have the favor of the, you know, social social powers but she didn't have any male family members to vouch for her and the nobles the only reason why they were tolerating madame's presence in high society is because her mother madame's mother had been queen anne's favorite mazarin had been captivated by madame's story of how she wanted to be a musketer when she was a girl and how she'd learned to fence so mazarin made sure that that courtier was exiled from france although he hadn't been involved in la front please remember that la front is the Paris France civil wars that happened in the 16th century. Do you understand? It actually ended when, like, two years ago, when Tanya was 14, not when she was nine, like I initially said. I said that in part A, and that's not correct. So please, I'm correcting myself now. Tanya is 16. So Lafron, the civil wars ended two years ago. But this kind of thing now is not completely in the past. It's somehow recent. Two years ago, I mean, everybody still talks about COVID, even though it was like three years ago, right? So it's something like that. So it's something that is still fresh and that is still like danger, perceived danger. So everybody, the courts, you know, guards, the king and things like that. Everybody's still on high alerts. That what if another traitor rises I and mean, when the wounds are still fresh? So stuff like that. This particular courtier that attacked Madame, he wasn't part of the Lafrondo, because Lafrondo is like nobles that rose against um, the king and tried to take the aristocracy, but they failed. But Shai resulted in a lot of deaths and destruction. Do you understand? This particular noble. So after the civil wars ended, they exiled many of those um, nobles. But this particular noble, you know, this particular courtier that uh, Mazarin exiled, he wasn't in Lafrondo, but he needed to exile the guy so that he would not be threatening madame or be any kind of you know threat to her mazarin is now back in madame so a year ago like a year before the timeline of this story mazarin wrote to madame about okay that see i was fascinated by your story that day how you wanted to be a salt woman when you were you know how you wanted to like be a musketeer when you were little you're now a salt woman like i have a way that you can serve the king and prove your skills as a salt woman so he now invited her to the palace which is in fact a great honor very few nobles are invited by mazarin this is permanent royal advisor so that incident now made madame look like a favorite of mazarin in the eyes of society and they went from tolerating her to like oh Ah, society and nobles. Mm, change with a switch. So the meeting that Mazarin had invited Madame for was to discuss and find a way to obtain information on power-hungry nobles who might be like Conde. Conde was a person that incited the first France civil wars that happened now that in trying to overthrow the current monarchy to replace it with another. So the royal guards and male musketeers had tried to obtain information on these power-hungry nobles. But like I said, no results because they're men and one oh, musketeers are too brash. Well, another group of people, they, they, they're slobbles or something. Um, God don't do cause they can't fight. So that's where the order, you know, the English version of Le Moscoteo de la Lune, the one that the ladies are part of, that's where they have to come in because they're both refined and they can't fight. And they're now women and subtle. You will not see them coming. 
You understand that element of surprise. So it was Tia that had coined, you know, that name, the order, because it's quicker to say and it's mysterious, apparently. Madame had intended for the order to be only three number, just three women. But Tanya was the true sort women of the group. And Madame is like, okay, you, she actually kind of needs to be part of the group, even apart from her dad. But they can't be more than four because they have to operate in secrecy and subtlety. Madame reported fully to only Mazarin, but conferred with a senior musketeer like Monsieur Brandon, who was aware of Mazarin's plans. This was to ensure that the order had the full backing of the royal guards at their service when they needed it. Because there would be a time when there's four girls, you know, they would have a mission that they would need to call back up, right? So who would be their backup right now in such a case? The male musketeers. But who would be the one to enter the operation, you know, filter things out? The order, the female musketeers. So, you know, they needed to work together. But at the same time, it's just one or two of the guys and the male musketeers that knew their existence. Obviously, as few people who knew about what they are doing, the better. The fewer the people, the better. Now, the girls knew that although the order you know, this is their small musketeer, female musketeer gang, although it may not be written into history, oh, but they will be the ones who will ensure that that history existed to be written. So when Madame left, you know, after telling them that um, story, training them for the day, you know, this is the first time, like, um, Tanya is really in the room with the girls. So Thea, you know, hurriedly hugged her, and then she walked on her warmly. So Tia is the friendliest of the girls. Pothia also welcomed her and was like, okay, see, I only treated you that way at first because I didn't know if you would pass Madame's test. I, I couldn't, I can't be nice and like you and you go, you know, that sort of things. The girls were welcoming and they looked at Tanya as if she mattered. It wasn't a look that she was used to. She was used to people looking at her like, oh, sick Tanya. And Tia even went to step further, like, oh my God, you were just, oh God. I, you looked so good when you were parrying madame. Like, how did you learn to fight like that? You have to teach me. You have to teach me. You know, they were odd. Oh, my God. So, but I was like, yeah, Tanya, you're an, you're, you're an asset. And we need you in this operation. You to prevent another uprising. Tanya never had anything like, her, like that in her life before. Me? An asset? Really? Whoa. <gasps> You understand so you know it's kind of thing that gives you hope but at the same time you're kind of afraid do i dare to hope so much i mean what is she just saying you know so now we're talking about the motives of each of these girls and how they came about to be in the order okay so for potty and ara it's not like ah they two send the king go because waiting concerning them about king that only his pair of shoes can buy the entire wardrobe. But what they cared about was succeeding in this operation so that they could lay groundwork for future generations of women to have the opportunity to be called musketeers. In other words, they wanted to be trailblazers. Tanya loved the idea of being part of something bigger than herself. Like, oh, okay. I like your perspective, girls. Then Tia told Tanya about herself. She had five older brothers who were part of the military. Tia was also distantly related to Madame de Treville. So when Madame Treville was like, oh, I need to find this kind of academy, Tia came to her, to her mind first. Why? Because Tia has an impressive family title that can get her invited to exclusive parties. And she'd also grown up around sorts because of her brothers. She'd partaken of her brother's fencing lessons because her papa tried to chase her when she no agree. Her papa said, oh yeah, don't stay in the fencing lesson with your brothers. So Tia has that background. And Tanya was like, wow. Yeah, so lucky. Like, Thea is the person who has the most stable background out of all of them. <laughs> like, she, she grew up in a loving home, brothers, you know, that kind of thing. So she's, she's like, mm, mm. she's the youngest of the group, Steph. So she's not even up to 16. 
As for Portia, her father had been glad to see her gone. He hadn't cared that, oh, Portia knows ancient languages, she can paint well. So all he wanted is son, his heir. So he married again. He was just eager to start reproducing with his new wife in Portia's absence. I said, you, you can carry yourself, go to academy for wives. Him, his own believing, ah, at least I can marry you off. You are, you are out of my hands. So that's Portia's story. Then Ira's story, that will come much later because she's the most secretive of the girls and the most mysterious. So hearing the girls talk about their fathers, it made Tanya cry, even when Portia talked about her bad father like that. So Madame, she hadn't yet told the girls that, oh, Tanya's father died though because she felt I Tanya's story to tell. So Tanya told the girls they were shocked. And they were like, oh my God, like especially Portia and Thea, they were just talking, talking. The, the only person who could, you know, comport herself quickly and um, offer a condolence was Aria. So I've said this thing before, Tanya, um, Tia, the friendliest girl, she's a young girl, she's not quite 16. She has the most knowledge about fashion. She can sew. So she's the one that whenever Taylor will come, she's discussing the details of, okay, make our breeches like this. Look at the measurement. Oh, oh, leave this space for this. Leave that for this. And okay, let our gowns have allowance here and there so that we can fight without interruption. So Thea is the one that is gifted when it comes to like, what's the most comfortable things we can wear to fight and look pretty at the same time. So Thea also adjusted Tanya's corset so that she could breathe easier in it by the time that Taylor's came down, brought their clothes and co. And Tanya needs all the air she can get because mm-hmm, she's constantly dizzy. Outfitting for girls for social season, it costs an outrageous amount of money. But hmm, Mazarin, royal family, when is backing you up? What is money to them, you say? So you know that normally an academy of girls should have plenty of girls from influential homes in it. But for Madame's um, school, there are only four girls. So you now wonder, but how is it that Madame's reputation is still growing? Everybody's like, ah, Madame de Trevi's Academy, da, 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 is big. So look at what Madame is to do here. What she will do is that she will mentor a few no- daughters of noble families, like, you know, correct girls from rich families that their parents are important. She will spend an hour each week. She will teach them etiquette and dancing. And these girls, they already had invites to exclusive social circles. So what happens is that when they now go there, they don't tell everybody, oh, Madame Travio, Madame de Travio trains me. So it will now have the desired effect of, oh, Madame de Travio trains girls that are so eloquent, so this. So because of that elevated um, position that they're holding Madame de Travio in, they now kind of um, send her invitations, both and her girls to come to like really big parties where many of those nobles that are trying to, you know, find things about them if they have traitor qualities in, so the girls can carry out their mission. Their targets are in big parties and big circles, so they're doing whatever they can to gain access into it. That's what the whole expensive clothes is about. Um, Madame de Treville training some other rich girls and things like that. So now, all the four girls, they had their different roles and strengths in the group. Aria, she's the aloof one. So she succeeds with targets who are talkative because she just like, she seems like all oh, these girls are not really interested in talking. You know, they have this certain charm based on who, you understand. And another thing about Aria is she can use drop. Hey, her own use dropping talent is so much that she can hear a pin drop in a crowded street corner if that's what she's paying attention to. Then for Portia, that one cannot blend in. She commands attention. You understand? And she's a charmer. Like, oh my God, sir. No, no. That's Portia. So you get that kind of thing. So you can't give her a mission that requires her to blend into background. Then when it comes to Thea, Thea is a tiny, cute one, you know? 
this innocent so so her, the people that are normally her targets that they assign her to are people that are old enough to be her father old men that like small girls that will be like mm, this tiny girl mm. so those are the ones that tia <laughs> they put her up to so we'll see the, the, we don't know Tanya, tanya's own kind of targets yet but we'll see so about potia teasing henry in a cruel way because i mentioned it in part a that potia can tease henry sharp the, the whole thing had started on the day that potia arrived and she had accidentally mistook henry for an intruder she had first tried to seduce him because I told you now she's a charmer. But when that one did not well, she now tackled him to the carpet. She held him down on the carpet until lunchtime when Madame arrived. So after this whole meeting that they had, you know, because they'll meet up occasionally in the common room or training, but everybody has their own room and it's big, it's fine. So after Tanya went to her own room, she was now unpacking her box and then she discovered her mom's peace offering. It's like a beautiful cloak that resembled um, her papa's cassock. Cassock is a, all these cape-like things worn by priests now. You know, that thing that they so fasten around the neck. And uh, so take it like that. Sorry, I don't know how else to describe it. So it always, I hope you get it. So moving on. While Tanya was so thankful that the girls accepted her so warmly, she couldn't trust them yet. I mean, they'd seen her fate. They'd seen her struggle to stand on many mornings using walls for balance. And she feared that, okay, when they actually saw that this her dizziness is a constant thing, that it's not like, uh, just, it's not just these few days you're seeing her, they might become like Margaret and the village girls that taunted her. So for weeks, Tanya underwent rigorous training. There were days she raised her legs with rocks tied around her ankles until her muscles screamed. She practiced blade work on a target until her arm felt like it would fall off. Madame de Treville even made her practice footwork on her other side, although she's not left-handed. She did this so that Tanya wouldn't be prone to injury from overworking her right side. Athletes would get this thing more than us regular people. You have to train both sides of your body, even if you're just right-handed or left-handed, so that you would reduce the chance of sustaining injuries. Later, Henry brought Tanya a surprise gift. It was a map of Lupiak, like how the place she was coming from. He had brought it to her because she was so far from home. Tanya's eyes filled with tears. She was grateful. Sometimes Henry popped in to greet Tanya and the girls, but Madame pushed him away. She Sometimes it's because with Henry's open expression and his mannerisms, it get the wrong idea about the men that will be their targets. Those their targets were subtle men. <laughs> a trait Henry does not have. So by Tanya's third week of training, she'd learned basic dances and etiquettes, but she hadn't yet learned how to ensnare men. It involved using words, brief touches of hands, whispers and ears, and dangerous lanes over tabletops, you know? The aim was to keep men lost then after them, but to actually remain out of reach. So by Tanya's fifth week, she was settling into the routine. Then Thea thrust a heavy skirt into her hands one day and asked her to wait for dance lessons. Madame had asked Thea to make a skirt that Thea could, um, Tanya could wear to practice dancing. Although it's plain, the tailoring was so good. So Tanya told Thea that, see ya. After we finish this other thing, if he become correct designer, Tia agreed because at that time, so 16th century, it's men who dictated how women's clothes would look more than women. So Tia was like, if women designed women's clothes, it'd be comfortable and pretty in a way that women appreciate. And thankfully, that's the world we live in today. Hallelujah. So for one of her dance lessons, Henry had to stand in as a partner. He was a short dancer, which went against his awkward nature. So he's awkward, but sure, he's, he can dance well. At least that spoke of his roots as per being connected to nobles and cool. He's not like regular 
peasant boy. So while they danced, he told Tanya that he wouldn't be apprenticing under the map maker had it not been for his aunt's influence. Remember that was the time he was talking about, okay. So Tanya asked him, see, it does not matter who got you into the map maker apprentice thing. Shad just don't waste the opportunity. It might not be a job you wanted, but trust me, map can change the world. What you do, do matter. So after the, this, they were talking and dancing, you know, and dancing well. So when they finished dancing, Madame was like, very good, you did well. Deciding that Tanya was ready to enter public society, Madame arranged for her to debut at an annual event. It wasn't a major event, meaning that the royal family and highest ranking nobles, they won't be in attendance. But she had there will be many people there. So Tanya didn't have any targets for that ball, like any person she's supposed to ensnare. But she was to shadow Arya and watch how Arya executed her mission, you know. So for the ball, the girls helped each other dress up. Since they don't have ladies' maids to assist them. Again, the reason that they cannot hire ladies' mates, like, you know, those extra mates now that will help the girls dress up and run errands for them in all these um, historical novels. The, re- the reason the girls can't have ladies' mates is they're operating a secret mission. The fewer people are in the house, the better. So the girls have to, in cases where they have to dress up for party, wear each other jewelry, things like that. Everybody's helping everybody dress. <laughs> I mean, so, and they're all supportive of Tanya. They're like, don't worry. This is your first ball. It's always the worst, but won't let you fall. So Patia told Tanya, see, you're capable. Don't let that thing your hometown people are saying that you are sick. Don't let that bring you down, okay? So in the carriage on the way to the ball, Madame de Treville dispatched assignments. Their mission was to gather information about a suspected black market trade that was possibly arming nobles with weapons. So the order needed to know every secret in the city in order to protect it and themselves. Once they arrived at the party, greetings here and there were caught. Tanya met some wealthy barons and then the girls split to find their targets. The ballroom was so ground and crowded that Tanya felt overwhelmed. She felt helpless, but Arya found her. She was like, just break, just break. So that don't worry. After this first time, it gets better. So after that pass, Tanya had the pleasure of watching Arya in action. <laughs> Arya sounded like an entirely different person when she was talking to her, her target, a Marquis. She sounded bored, in need of companionship, like a regular young woman who just wanted to dance, enjoy her life, you know. And the Mar- this is the Arya that is cold at home. <laughs> just became a different person while on the mission. So the Marquis said a lot to Ar- Arya, who replied as if she was a bandable girl ready to do all his bidding. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, don't, those people. Oh, no, I cannot imagine. Arya. <laughs> then the the Marquis guy now told Arya, okay, come and dance. But he because Arya is with Tanya now, he could not just leave Tanya there while he went to dance with um Arya. So he now called another man to dance with Tanya. So Tanya danced, although she was dizzy, because in that ballroom, no one knew her story. So she could pretend she's well and nobody will know. She has makeup on, beautiful gown, you know. So she glided through the room like it's one. After the dance, Tanya, she was trying to compose herself because she's feeling dizzy. <laughs> you know, and that younger man approached her. She gripped the closest wall. She tried to get away from the man because I can't, she cannot, she cannot dance in that state or she'll pass out. She's like, ah, ah, where are my sisters in arms when I need them? She now started feeling that, you know, that insecurity again is a lie. They abandoned me. They don't have my back. However, Thea called her name and she found herself sitting outside on a bench. So grateful tears sprung to Tanya's eyes. So Thea went went back to her target, but as she's leaving, Pothia was, co- was coming to um, Tanya with a drink. Pothia, she hadn't quite reached Tanya. It's just that Tanya had seen her. Let's say she's some steps away. But then someone else approached Tanya as she was sitting outside there receiving fresh air. That was a man, a stranger. 
But he sounded so sincere, like, "Hey, I I saw you inside. It didn't seem okay. Are you okay?" And he he didn't come so close so that she won't feel like, "Oh, this guy, why are you coming so close to me when I'm outside by myself?" So he was all respectful. He even seemed to like her, and you know, when by the time they were going home, it was like, "Oh yeah, Tanya, you did well for your first ball." you know, regardless of whatever setbacks. So two days after the ball, Tanya was feeling better. So the information the girls had collected was that a certain Comte was broke. This Comte did not have money to buy a house or anything in the last day. But this year, he bought one of the most expensive places in Paris and he was having a frequent visitor. So it's all suspicious. Like, how, how? So the, his visitor, this is regular visitor, was Monsieur Verdun's younger brother who went into business instead of the military like the rest of his family. So initially, Tanya was like, where have I heard this Verdon name? Where have I heard this Verdon name? Remember in part A, I told you to keep the Verdon name in mind because it's connected to her father's mother, like Modras and Co. One of the male musketeers came visiting, you know, and Tanya just rushed to ask the man, like that's Monsieur, the Monsieur Brandon that knows of their order now. I told you just few people know about the order. She now, Tanya now asked the man that could her dad's dad be investigated? First of all, the man offered his condolences, but replied that, ah, with the king at risk, the musketeers, they can't afford to investigate every death of a retired musketeer. Tanya was angry. She's like, but the king would always be in danger. Does my, does the people who serve the king not matter? People like my father. So in reply, the musketeer <laughs> now asked Madame de Treville to remind these girls in quote two exactly they were fighting for. Ouch. Tanya learned that male musketeers, they won't take her seriously. So thinking, oh, because I'm a musketeer, these guys will take me seriously. Lie, lie. Her best chance is to find the ones who wanted to harm the king and prove herself. So even their male musketeers counterpart are still looking down on them like, these women are just playing. So unless you prove yourself, <laughs> nobody knows you, sis. That male musketeer who came, that Monsieur Brandon, he carried a message. Someone left a dead threat in the king's dressing room. They drenched one of his ceremonial crowns in blood and smeared the message in the mirror. Your reign will end on the longest night. Long live La Fronde. That's the war. Ha! So many servants were fired because of this incident. And the ones that would be hired would be vetted by the king's personnel guard. The purpose of the threat, they want, like the person whoever it was like, that sent out this threat, they wanted to incite panic in the king. So he would cancel festivals, celebrations, public appearances. And that would make a lot of people angry, especially those who had wanted Lafrance to have a different outcome, maybe a different monarch on the seat and things like that. So the day the traitors, the traitors chose they will act, that's on the day of the winter solstice. See, I'm going to check the pronunciation of this thing, I promise. Pronounce it today, the winter solstice. It's a celebration day and it's a really dark day because it's like the longest night. So now the girls had a mission to find these traitors before this winter solstice day and... The winter solstice day was already close at hand. So that's the current situation that they're finding themselves in. Okay, so we're done with part B. We'll finish on Monday with part C, hopefully. Because I don't know why this story is not going to finish. I think it's because it's action too. Anything action adventure, normally I don't write it and summarize it like normal stories. I tend to like write a lot, you know, try to say lots so that we're following each other. Because I don't feel... Please let me know if the story is coming together or it does it feel disjointed. I promise I'm just going to get better and better over time. So I really thank you for sticking this um, this thing out with me. And I really appreciate you, neighbor. I really do. So until Monday, neighbor, please don't forget to um, rate this podcast wherever you listen. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, review, please. It really helps a lot more than you know. 
and i'll see you monday and in the, you know in the promotions <laughs> bye